As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to Until Saturday. I'm Ari Wasserman, joined by Max Olson and Dave Ubbin for the best show of the week in this feed, or quickly becoming my favorite show, the Sunday Sound Off show. We get some time to digest what you know happened throughout the hectic day that is Saturday uh, every week, and we get to hear from you, which is the best part. I got to say that it warms my heart that you guys have been participating with it. I think it's great for the show and the listeners to be involved in it and to have your voices prominently displayed because we know that without you and your support and your continued listenership that this show wouldn't be anything. So we encourage you to continue to sending to send these in and we're going to keep playing them. We're going to discuss them and it makes me feel like you guys are a part of the show because you are a big part of it. Guys, it's been a pretty hectic weekend. We are all three on the road. Uh, both of you guys got to hang out, which, you know, was a little bit jealous out in Boulder. Had a, had <laughs> a pretty good time i was solo we, in we tuscaloosa max but first boulder experience yeah mm-hmm. max uh and i are uh just finished up wrapping up a uh month-long trip together of the official visit on youtube uh presented by or supported by StubHub, which mm-hmm. is just our diners drive-ins and dives take on college campuses and we thought maybe there was a chance we were going to go to boulder we didn't go the first the the first go of it in the first season but max do we mess do we mess up by not going I think it. I think Boulder certainly would have fit with what we were trying to do with uh, with the official visit. Yeah, I think it was definitely it. It was on our our short list and definitely could have been one of the five. Um, and I think it would be a good one, man. I was I was had never been there, not just never been around CU, but just never even stopped in. And uh, it's gorgeous, man. It, it, it's it's a a really cool place to watch a game. Um, you know, David and I were walking around on Friday in Pearl district, right, David, like the, uh, the Pearl street mall. Yeah. Pearl street mall. Yeah. It, it, you know, it was, it was, it was, that's a, that's a great place to, to, um, spend a weekend. And you can tell by my sunburn that David and I had great seats for this game. Um, <laughs> amazing seats. The sun was right in our face for the whole first half. Um, and we, I forgot sunscreen, uh, but, uh, man, wild experience, right, Dave? Yeah. If you guys have never been to Boulder, uh, I hadn't before this year and the the Dion Circus. I hadn't been in about ten years, but man, the whole campus sits at the foot of the Flatirons, which is tower over the whole city, uh, the whole the whole uh, campus, and it's I mean it's gorgeous. It's very cool. It's very European. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a cool. It's like a cool place. It's just a very unique college town that feels like a college town, um, but you're still you know forty minutes away from Denver, a pretty major metro. So it's those are kind of my favorite types of college towns where you can get a college town feel, but still be pretty close to a, to a big place in a pro sports city. I think Ari, how just many towns that, did you see this weekend? I, yeah. I drove uh, to Tuscaloosa <laughs> from Dallas and I saw Shreveport. I had a lunch in Jackson. Um, I saw Tuscaloosa and I saw Birmingham and then I'm running it back here after this. I might go hit the tables tonight. We'll see what happens. Actually, I think I have to write, but that's not a um, right. It's, I mean, we all it, know. Going yeah. On. Yeah. Who knows? We'll, we'll see if I, I was up pretty late uh, on, on Saturday night, but it is not 
uh, the same type of thing where you guys get to see mountains. Whenever I see mountains towering over a stadium or mountain territory, maybe it's just because where I grew up has mountains, but I just get kind of, I get kind of jealous. And then you two were together too, but obviously there's a lot to discuss from that game. Of course, we have some uh, more serious news that we have to at least touch on on this episode at Michigan State, and we'll get into that here shortly. And then, of course, we'll dive into the questions, and hopefully you'll make us laugh as much as you did a week ago. So first, I just wanted to, again, welcome you to the Sunday Sound Off on the Until Saturday feed. Uh, Be sure to uh, follow the podcast on Apple, wherever you listen to your podcast. Drop us a five-star review and leave a question with that review, uh, and we will answer it on the show if it's a five-star. Subscribe to the Until Saturday YouTube page if you're here watching live now we appreciate you if you're getting this in podcast form the link to the youtube page can be found in the show's description and of course uh, i have to memorize this phone number eventually but the voicemail line until saturday 316-462-9852 that's 316-462-9852 you can call it leave a voicemail you can text it uh, for questions too we will lean on the voicemails because i think it sounds more authentic and, and real when your guys's voices come through and hopefully we have some more impressions in in our future so dave let me kick it to you uh mm-hmm. can you break down the the serious situation here at michigan state for us and um let's just cover this a little bit before we get into the show Yeah, so last night USA Today dropped a very in-depth report uh, where they had interviewed Brenda Tracy, who has gained prominence (coughs) in the last decade as a um, just a a champion to help get rid of sexual misconduct on college campuses. Um, Basically, that she was alleging that uh, she had been sexually harassed, um, as well as some some sexual misconduct by uh, Michigan State head coach Mel Tucker. Um, it's a pretty in-depth report. I would suggest you you read it. It's it's pretty detailed. Uh, it details a lot of the Michigan State investigation. And then earlier today, Michigan State put him on leave uh, pending a Title IX hearing uh, on October 5th. Uh, and so for now, Harlan Bennett will be acting head coach. Uh, Mark Antonio is going to come back and work in sort of an uh, sort of an assistant, you know, be around and help out. Uh, capacity and it's it's a messy story it's it's a shocking story um and it's one that is going to um spawn a a lot of conversation eventually i think right now you know as we sort of still wait for kind of all of the facts to come out it's important to kind of stay grounded in that but um just it's it's i i there's not a lot of stories that literally sort of leave me just flabbergasted and i think this was this was one of them yeah, I couldn't believe just open that up. I think we're, it was probably about midnight local time for us last night, right? Um, and, and honestly, credit yeah. to to Kenny Jacoby from from USA Today, um, who has you know been an excellent investigative reporter for them over the past mm-hmm. few years, especially in college athletics. Um, this was, you know, it's worth pointing out. This is this is not a new revelation to Michigan State in any way. Yes. This was mm-hmm. submitted by Brenda Tracy back in December, um, and so it's been certainly it's been a long and complicated process uh, since then uh, hearing coming up here next month. Um, but it certainly does raise questions about, you know, Mel Tucker coaching the first two games for Michigan state. Um, yes. You know, why, why does the, 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 the punishment get handed down today when, when this is something that, uh, you know, they were aware of, but the public wasn't. Yeah. I believe they got the report that essentially all of the details that were in the USA today report, they got July 25th. Um, today at their press conference, Michigan State Athletic Director Alan Haller was asked kind of about why now? And his answer was interim measures were in place and those interim measures have been updated. Initially, there was no contact with the complainants and, and then also increased oversight from me of the program, but then also the coach. So it's an ongoing process and we update those interim measures as we uh, receive information. I don't see a lot of coherent thought in any mm-hmm. of those words. Yeah. And I certainly don't hear a, a coherent answer for why on, cause I'll be honest when I read this, I said, he's going to be fired by Monday. I, mm-hmm. you, you can't yeah. continue on with him. And yeah. I don't understand how an administration can see those same details. And we're here. What? Eight weeks, six, six weeks since they got those. And he's still your head coach until it goes public. And then all of a sudden you, you react and suspend him and clearly start heading down the track to fire him and figuring out if you can fire him for cause. 
and get out of that $80 million contract, um, you're clearly headed down that track less than 24 hours after it goes public. So I just, it's from the, I, beyond and, the issue with Mel Tucker, the administration has a lot of questions. And and you never want to, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly not trying to say apples to apples by any means here. You never want to compare these things, but it does remind you a little bit of Northwestern where, um, you know, it, it does seem like once the public kind of gets a hold of the information, then there's a, there's a different momentum, uh, to that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and I, I, I mean, I, it's hard to, it's hard to, it's hard to envision a scenario. I, obviously there's a lot of facts to sort out, but it's hard to envision a scenario where Michigan state can move forward with, with Mel Tucker. Yeah. Yeah. It's just one of those scenarios too, I guess, like you guys said, well put that, uh, you kind of wait and let the dust settle a little bit, see how the university handles it. But of course, as the information continues to come out, um, you start to to understand how or try to understand how or hold people accountable for the way that it was handled, you know, after the fact, too. And, of course, it's just another response. I mean, a reminder of the tremendous responsibility that you have as a head coach, not just Mel Tucker, but everybody in terms of acting appropriately and all the things that, you know, go in place with being in that position. So um, certainly worth a discussion. We'll probably have more discussions about it uh, this week and in the, in the near future as more details come out. But we thought it was important to acknowledge that before we get into um, the voicemail and the fun. So uh, thanks, guys, for indulging us on that. And um, let's get to it. What do you say? What's up, Ari? My name is Jesse from Iowa City, Iowa. Um, is there something wrong with the SEC? They are 3-6 and six against Power 5 teams so far this year. And those three wins are a horrible Virginia team, uh, Mississippi State beating uh, Arizona in overtime, and freaking Cal. There's something wrong with the SEC. I know stars matter and all that, but three and six and the three wins were against bad teams and two of them were really down to the wire. Thank you. I know stars matter and all. Had to get, get that jab in there, huh, Jesse? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it That's is a interesting to me right there. because um, – it is bizarro land in the final year of the Pac-12, but the Pac-12 seems to be the deepest, most fun league, uh, and they have all their uh, powers that were supposed to be interesting teams this year intact with 2-0 and records. Um, and, of course, let's just go through it. Georgia is 2-0, and 45-3, went over Ball State. Uh, I don't think that we're going to have very many conversations about Georgia this year in terms of them being a disappointment because I don't think they play a ranked team till November at this rate. And it's only, it's only getting worse. If they don't make the playoff this year, then something went way off the rails there. I was at the Alabama game. Texas handled their business. I thought they physically dominated them for a large portion of that game and probably could have won by more. So you have the, the Hallmark program or one of the two Hallmark programs of that conference losing, uh, for the first time in double digits in over a decade, I think on their home floor or home, home field. LSU obviously has their loss to Florida State. Ole Miss was struggling with Tulane. Texas A&M got their doors blown off by Miami. Wake Forest beat Vandy. The the list goes on. We don't have to even go down the list of of what's going on in Florida. Yeah, Ole Miss dodged one, and Michael Pratt didn't play. So yes. like that, that's and the other thing, too. they were still struggling early. Tulane uh, was playing with their backup quarterback. And, you know, I would mention Florida, but I don't want uh, Dave to grow hair and then that hair catch on fire. So uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot to talk about. But, guys, what is your thought process of, of why the SEC is off to a slow start this year? I mean, obviously, NIL is ruining the sport. The SEC has just got to catch up. <laughs> it's the only explanation, know? I think. Yeah, they got they got to do something to get those collectives humming, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> if they could just get some more revenue going in the SEC, hopefully they could catch up. Yeah, I yeah, thought there I was mean, a pretty good it- explanation last night too. Of just like you came into the year and you have the two uh, big time teams or the three big time teams uh, all going through transitional situations with their quarterbacks. Obviously, Georgia's doing it too. They haven't played anybody who can test them yet, but. You know, the thing that I think is most interesting about this whole thing is that if Alabama beats Texas and you've got Georgia and Alabama sitting at 2-0, and you probably have a different viewpoint of the conference from top to bottom because when your teams that are competing for national championships are still, you know, kind of in Death Star mode, it kind of changes things a little bit. I do think that maybe this bleeds into a little bit of an Alabama discussion. We had a little bit of that on Saturday night after the games, but the question that I, I have more than anything is uh, with Alabama um, – what's going on with the quarterback development and how do you have all these recruits on your team and not have a viable game breaking option at the skill positions like that? To yeah, me, I think, I, I think when you look at the sec as a whole, I mean, we talked about it on the quarterback show coming into the season and I started off the show saying 
woof, this is a rough year for SEC quarterbacks. And there's a lot of things that go into a lot, but sometimes it might just be that simple. The SEC doesn't have great quarterbacks, and as a result, we're seeing them not have a ton of great teams. Meanwhile, the Pac-12 has a ton of continuity, Incredible a ton of star power, <laughs> and it's just like, you know, deep analysis here. But, like, why did Alabama lose? They didn't have great quarterback play, okay? I don't know that Texas had great quarterback play, but they had good quarterback play, right? Um, and you look around the SEC, and I don't see a lot of game breakers, a ton of impact players playing quarterback. And you look in the Pac-12, who is 19-3, and three, and I see them everywhere. And I think sometimes it might just be that simple. <laughs> I, I looked this up. So last year, SEC versus Power 5, not counting bowl games, right? Just regular season. There's 15 games. You want to guess what the SEC's record was in the 15 games? 13 and 2. Robin? I'm, I'm going to say 11 and 4. 10 and 5. 10 and 5. All right. But the five were legitimately good teams. Two of them lost to Florida State. Uh, Auburn lost to Penn State. Missouri got whooped by K-State. And uh, and then, yeah, yeah I, I believe there was a, a loss to Wake Forest as well. So uh, at least defensible last year. Yeah. I mean, LSU is the one that jumps out. <clears throat> I know Florida State's good, but LSU got punked. Um, and then, I, you know, I think Texas is just good, but Alabama losing on its home field is is embarrassing. And, and we we dug into that last night. Um, you know, A&M is pretty there, – there's just a lot of losses that aren't just losses. They're like – they make you perk up and say, like, what's going on there? Like, A&M, you have to look at the wholesale program after a loss like that and say, like, What's wrong with us? <laughs> you know, it's not just like, well, you know, like Texas Bama, to some degree, we knew it was wrong with Bama, but those are two good teams going head to head. Texas wins that game. I don't come away from that game saying like Alabama's screwed. I, I think with all my skepticism about Alabama coming into the season, I have said chill on the dynasty. I think Bama is one quarterback recruit away from being fine again. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The the, the question is... And maybe this is something that needs to be written about uh, tonight, even. Uh, but why is one? Why is that person not on on the team right now? Is it misevaluation? Is it poor development? Is it a combination of both? Um, with the way that they have recruited the position, you would think that one of the four or five dudes that are in that room would be. It doesn't have to turn into Bryce Young overnight, but would be somebody that you can go, "Hey, this guy's got it." You know, and it, it might take some time for him to kind of grow in within himself to reach that point. But it's like you watch the Jalen Milrow game uh, performance in the Texas game. And I think that you have a clear and identifiable plan to stop him. If you're in a team that kind of has yeah. the same talent, like it's, it's not going to be enough for most of the teams that they play still this year. And I still think that's probably a 10, at least a nine win team at, at worst. Um, but when they start getting on the field with Georgia and LSU and some of those teams that can go athlete for athlete for them, you know, at least with the top 22 players that are on the field, you stop the guy, you, fly, you, you you rush him, you make him uh, feel uncomfortable in the pocket, you know, spy him so he can't run around a little bit and yeah. make him throw it. And next thing you know, it's like every single play was the same last night. I, I thought Drops it was interesting back. too, Ari, last night. I'm, I'm sure you noticed like Texas trusted a freshman linebacker and Anthony Hill to, to yeah. play the spy role because it, it wasn't really that complicated. Like you just really wasn't. You just <laughs> got to play that kind of play that space. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, I, it's, I don't think it's a recruiting issue, and I, I'm not even sure it's a development issue. It's probably evaluation. But, you know, I remember Ty Simpson. I mean, I live here, out here in Tennessee. Ty Simpson 
lived about an hour away from me, and they were talking about him like a generational-type talent. Tennessee was crushed when they lost him, and they lost him out of their own backyard in the middle Mm -hmm. of that coaching transition. And you don't hear Ty Simpson's name at all. Tyler Buckner, you know, we can sort of, it's whatever. You know, and and maybe, uh, Max, I might consult you, our, our portal authority out here, might have been a guy out there that Alabama might have been sniffing around <laughs> and didn't get. He might be helping them. Uh, but so I, I'm going to say evaluation uh, and 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 the the turnover at coordinator doesn't help. I think there is a uh, there's an offensive line problem. I thought Alabama was going to move on from Eric Wolford after last season. They did not. They stuck with him. So it's it's a lot of things, but they don't have the offensive line to run the kind of offense that would make Jalen Milrow look as good as he can. But do they have the offensive skill talent to go to somebody else? I don't know that last night going to another quarterback would have helped or changed the outcome. I don't believe that. Do you think that, or, or just, just your perspective being there, watching it with your own two eyes, if you plug Sam Hartman into that game, does Alabama win? I mean, that's not a, that's not a lock, right? No, yeah, I, w- I, w- I was actually leaning towards no on that one because the thing that I'd probably well, I mean, like I was thinking like in the yes. third quarter before before Alabama, you know, got a few drives there and, and put some pressure on Texas heading into the final quarter of the game, like I was on high alert for a quarterback change, and I thought, well, this isn't working. Whatever they're doing offensively isn't going to happen. Uh, it's not going to be enough to win the game. Are they going to bring in Buckner to see if he can throw it around a little bit more effectively? Um, and then I caught myself thinking, like, do you have the offensive line to protect a guy that might not be 100% comfortable? Do you have the receiver that can go up and get a 50-50 ball? Uh, Jace McClellan, I think, rushed for less than 70 yards last night. They tried the murder ball thing, and even that wasn't working. So I don't know if the sole blame goes on poor quarterback play, um, but I think that your offense has to be designed around a certain type of player. And I've covered teams in the past that have had two very good quarterbacks that were very different styles and they struggled immensely to try to figure out how to use them when they were both in the game because they didn't know how to call the call the game differently. So, you know, well, W. You, Jason Spangler here. room is like kind of in this transitional spot too where Jalen Miller was recruited by Steve Sarkeesian, flipped from Texas right after they got Quinn years. You've got um, Simpson and Lonergan recruited, I believe, by mostly by Bill O'Brien, right? Yep. I believe so. And then you've got Tommy Reese coming in, inheriting these guys, going through spring with them, trying to figure out how do they fit what he does. Then he brings in Tyler Buckner, his guy. Obviously, he's landed a commit in, in Julian Sand, but it's sort of like, I don't know. You kind of wonder, it's like, you know, truth serum on Tommy Reese. Like, what does he think of his room? You know, I think we yeah. saw it in his face in the booth last night. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was pain. I think we saw that was a pain. I was wondering if we were going to see like the, you know, the F-bombing kind of shot we've seen before from Tommy Reese at Notre Dame. That, that was, was a very depressing shot that of was, him <laughs> in, up in the box. That was a – because here's like, I th- the Alabama murder ball is going to work against most teams. It's not – I didn't think it was going to work against Texas. It's not going to work against LSU's front. It's not going to work against Georgia. And it might be – you know, it might not be enough against maybe a team or two. But it's going to work against most of the SEC, I think. Um, their offensive line is good enough to do that. But when they go up against these teams, and when you're playing at Alabama and you have the standard that Alabama does, where if you don't make the playoff, the sky is falling, it's not enough to get you there. And I, I think, you know, all, all of our per, our perspective reads on the situation when they bring in Tyler Buckner, where it's like, uh-oh. <laughs> that Tyler Buckner, not exactly a world-beater, all of those alarm bells, I think, were were pretty valid uh, and were legitimized in what we saw against a Texas team that earmuffs, sorry, I think is very good, but I don't think is world beaters. So, you know, te- Bama's going to play Max? some world beaters. I want to hear what you not going to be sold on Texas till they're twelve and zero, though. I think that's kind of where he's that's at. Fair, <laughs> but Max, what was your? I mean, you've spent a lot of time. You used to live in Austin, cover this team for a long time. Watching that game last night, where was your head at in terms of what you saw there and what your expectations were for this for this team? Um, offensive side, I thought pretty, pretty, just pretty masterful. I mean, kind of not a I wouldn't say masterpiece, but pretty masterful in terms of it was. I'm with yeah, you. yeah, yeah. And I think that you saw. I mean, that's as good as it's been with Sark in terms of just mm-hmm. we are maximizing all the wet firepower we've got here. 
minimizing mistakes, no turnovers from Ewers. I believe no sacks from Ewers, right? Yeah, no zero sacks. sacks. It's crazy. Um, so as I mean, as good of an offensive, I mean, thirty-four points, right? It wasn't fifty, but like as good of an offensive performance in that setting as you could possibly ask for. And I mean, Ari, you saw it, like defensively, like shoot, man, they're they're physical now. They're like, fast. They run to the ball. Elite? Like they just do their job. You know? Yeah, yeah. I the thing that is interesting to me, and I've read a lot of comments because some teams have you know, played some games against overmatched opponents and kind of look like they're going through the motions. And then you've seen some other teams like Florida State, for instance, that have played with a passion and they fly to the football and there's like an athleticism there that is coupled with that that passion that makes you feel like something's bigger there. And I thought that we got that uh, from Texas, you know, and it's like there's a lot of X's and O's things um, that you can break down from the Texas game. I think the fact that they didn't allow a single sack in that game was incredible considering what we know about that Alabama defense. Um, and I thought that the thing about the offensive game plan that was so masterful is that nothing seemed overly complicated. You know, you had a lot of passes into the flats and short, you know, intermediate routes to the sideline. Uh, Quinn Ewers was comfortable. They knew exactly when to take the shots and it really didn't really, it just didn't seem like things were, were, sur- it was surgical, but it wasn't hard. Um, so for me, you know, if they end up losing to a team that David is expecting them to lose, it's just inexplicable to me. So I think that this year is different. I hope to not be proven wrong. And, you know, this is the first time that Texas has beaten a top five team in the preseason since 2005. And I think that turned out pretty well for them. So we'll see how it goes. But, um, yeah, a lot on the docket here. Let's get to the next question. Hey, y'all. My name's Logan. I'm from, calling from Tuscaloosa. Um, Ari, I know you are at the game yesterday. Obviously, an insane atmosphere. Super disappointing from our end. Um, but I'm wondering what you think, you know, Saban should have done in terms of potentially switching to one of the other QBs. I mean, obviously, they kept rolling with Milrow and, Obviously didn't work out. Easy to, you know, state in hindsight, but just wondering if you had any input on that. Thanks. A big fan of the show. I'm still uh, the Jalen Milrow of podcast hosts, and our producer sent me a message in the middle of it saying we have a broader talent discussion. I mean, sorry, we have a Bama question that we could segue into. Uh, do we cover it? Like, I don't know. Do you want to go back? Well, the thing about Milrow That's is, like, would, uh, you have, would you have when you're just slow on the like, reads? Ari, you know, yeah. bin- binary yes or no. Would you have given a shot to? Buckner or Simpson in that game? Yes, probably. I would have tried it. I think I would have tried it too. What was yeah. the? I mean, because I, I knew that what they had wasn't going to win it. And if you know yeah, that, then what do you have to that's lose? That's a good way to say it, Ari. I, I, I didn't have a lot of confidence. Like it felt to me like if if Bama was going to win that game, then Milrow was going to have to do some stuff we'd never seen him do before, and that's not a good place to be. I mean, the uh, yeah, it it kind of turned into like. Can we chuck it? Can we chuck our way out of this a little bit? You know what I mean? He can, and he throws a nice deep ball, but I'm yeah. curious. Yeah, like fifty yard touchdown pass. I was like, that God, was a dime. That was that was, like, that, was like, that was a laser. You know, <laughs> it was. And, uh, what, you know, what I was, just think that. Oh, sorry, I was going to ask Ari. Just like yeah. for, in the press box there, um, what was the vibe? Like people expecting him to get pulled. Mm-hmm. People. Oh, w- was there some like warm up moments with any of the other like like what was the just the scene there in terms of the quarterback situation? OK, so I sit next to Richard Johnson from SI. Uh, My guy, Harry, shout out. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> we had Matt Fortuna, our old colleague, a few seats down, a few people above me. And when Alabama took the lead at the end of the third quarter, it was kind of like that. Uh, you guys have seen the movie Rounders. Yes. You know, uh, KJB hanging around, hanging around, hanging (laughs) around. And like, it's like, because I thought Texas kicked their ass for three quarters and then we're losing going into the fourth. So, you know, at that point. You think Nick Saban's just sitting down there eating Oreos? Yeah, yeah. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I wish I was sitting down there eating Oreos. Um, But it looked like like people were, were more worried about Texas, Texasing than they were about Alabama's quarterback situation because, you know, the game was very close and Alabama was winning at the beginning of the fourth fourth quarter. And the last seven minutes of the game was just – and that's another thing that we have to say about Texas that we didn't say on the podcast yet today or last night, which is seven minutes left in the game and they just ran it down Alabama's throat until the game was yeah. over. Like that's the most satisfying way probably for a coach to win a football game. So I don't know – If you were going to make the change, the timing would have been interesting because they were still down only a score for the majority of the third quarter. Um, Then they took the lead going into the fourth, and it's like, then what, are you going to put Buckner in with nine minutes left? 
Like that's the the thing is like I don't know if the the right timing even presented itself. I think there was more anticipation that Texas was going to lose, and if they would have lost that game, I just would have just I just would have gone home. Like, <laughs> like what is the well, that's, not the, that's not been the issue for Texas is getting in these fist fights with the big boys and coughing them up. We haven't seen that that many times with Texas. When they show up, it seems like they finish the job more often than not. I mean, they did beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl like three years ago. Like, it's not like they haven't had any shining moments. Well, I think it, for it, me, when you look at the QBs, though, I'm kind of surprised they didn't have anything packaged in to make Texas have to do a lot of different things defensively. They don't have to make a panic change, but you say, we want to play two guys. You know, we want to get them in and, and try some stuff and kind of see, and maybe we catch this instead of saying, oh, no, it's not working. You know, I'm looking around. Do I want to go Buckner? Do I want to go Simpson? I'm surprised they didn't have something prepared to go in there. And I think the most untold story of this game, because the quarterbacks are always going to get the attention, but have you guys looked at the box score yet? Like, do you know Got the stats or can I yeah. quiz you? Oh, you have it up there. Okay. If you, if I would have told you that Jalen Milrow and Jace McClellan would have both combined to rush for less than 90 yards in that game, would you have just been blown away? Like, I just feel like the offensive line and the attempts. defensive line. That's, they tried a lot. Yeah, they tried. They did. They tried quite a bit. And I think that part of the, the main idea of my Texas to the playoff prediction was the lines. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that, that to me was, you know, of course we have Quinn Ewer showing up and he threw a few beautiful passes, um, you know, off platform throws that, you know, I don't know that a lot of other quarterbacks in his position can make. I think you reminded people the natural skill set that he has that got him the recruiting ranking that people like to mock. Um, but if Texas was going to win big this year, not just win the Big 12, but win big enough to make the playoff, I thought it was going to start up front on both sides. And if you don't allow Alabama to sack you and you hold those two guys, the murder ball, one-two punch to less than 90 yards on a ton of attempts, like all the other stuff's going to fall into place. You have got skill all over the place on offense and their defense – you know, really came to play. So I I think that Texas passed every identifiable test that they could have last night. And the last test, which I wrote in the column, would be don't screw it off against a team that isn't very good. And that's mm-hmm. your whole thing. But I hope for their sake, because they seem like a bunch of good kids. I mean, they had a lot of fun on the field. after the, they, they celebrated that win like they just won the big 12 or something like that was an ongoing celebration. So. I and have they, no it problem was, with that. Yeah. It kind of felt like it was just like a program defining turning moment to me. Um, but yeah, so we'll see. <laughs> we got a KU fan here. W Jason Spangler. I wish I was like uh, sophisticated enough to have like an initial, then a period <laughs> on my byline, like a Jonathan Wasserman. Cause that's my middle name. It's <laughs> not bad. Um, if you ever read a book, Ari, I'm going to tell yeah, you. A Jonathan a Wasserman Jonathan. sounds like I have a, I have a doctorate in something, uh, <laughs> said that, you know, watch out for Jalen Daniels. He's a legit quarterback and absolutely would not be surprised if Kansas pulls an upset on somebody this year with that talent. So, um, and, and my producer, uh, Camelina here just said, I'd be Dr. Grabass, which, you know, that's, <laughs> Print the that business card. Pretty, I like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouthwatering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. All right, next one. Hi, Until Saturday, friends. Uh, My name is Sam. And if I sound sad, it's because I'm a Nebraska fan, and it's just it's just a hard existence right now. And I wanted to call in to get your thoughts. <clears throat> Coming in, I think most Nebraska fans knew there was a chance that uh, this thing wasn't going to, to work, that it was going to be a Matt Rule year one, but maybe with the, the portal that things were going to be different. 
Um, but they're not. And I, I think that there's been maybe a critical error with the evaluation of Jeff Sims. And I want to believe that this thing is going to get turned around, but I'm just tired. I, I'm just fatigued and looking for some consolation. And I don't know if I'm going to find it here. Uh, cheers to you guys. Congrats to those teams who are indeed back. And maybe one day we can, we can join you. I legitimately feel bad for Nebraska fans while I'm watching them play football. And that's I'm not like you. a, that's a, not a pity thing. It's just an, like the, I'm a big odds guy. Like for instance, I have four fantasy football teams and I didn't score a single touchdown in any of them. Like, what are the odds that's of that? That's hard to do. <laughs> that's a, and, and like, that is to me, I'm I just got to so check terrible. how my team's just, doing against Evan tonight. Let's see. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, we're doing good. But yeah, the thing that Sam, the Sam brought up, and I'll, I'll kick it to you here in a second, Max, is that if I go down the list of just plays watching it from my hotel room, the fumble that hit a player in motion, the turnovers, the offsides on third and five, it's just like this countless collection of, for lack of a better term, grab ass plays that seem unlucky but continually happen all the time. And the question I have is, is that a culture thing that is inherent in some of the players that were held over from the previous regime that Matt rule has to eradicate or is Matt rule complicit in not eradicating it himself as the head coach? Because like I thought it might be a tough year for Nebraska, but at the very least we'd get to watch this team play without it continually. I don't want to even say shooting itself in the foot, I would say like chopping its legs off looking I mean, competent, is, which they don't is, through two weeks. It's not even competence. It's like terrible. It's like terrible execution freak plays that get described as bad luck, but actually are just them misperforming. Like what's your take on this whole thing, Max? Yeah. I mean, it just watch, I mean, just watching it live on. So it, it just, it always kind of feels like two step forward, three steps back with, with that. So, I mean, you know, there are, there are positives from the first two games. There probably, I mean, there are things that, even Shadur Sanders said, like, man, Tony White did a great job with the defense. There were, there were some moments where Nebraska got the kind of game they wanted, especially in the first half. But those dumb things just kind of undo all of it, right? I mean, they, they just spoil whatever good things you, you're trying to build toward. And I I don't think this is going to be like a three and, you know, two and 10, three and nine kind of year one for Matt Rule. I think they'll probably be better in November than they are today. But uh, you know, I think this coaching staff probably kind of really wanted to look at this very optimistically and, and really believe in these guys and try to inject some confidence into them and, and and see the best in them. And I think through the first two games, I mean, this you, you kind of got a, a pretty clear example of, you know, here's why Nebraska has another new coaching staff, right? Here's why here's why this just hasn't been working. And obviously there's a lot of of scrutiny on Jeff Sims and, and, and the O.C., uh, Marcus Satterfield and and you know I I you totally get that certainly the turnovers make it impossible to be uh, competitive in these games but I mean uh, David and I were talking about this just you know throughout the game like I, I think Deion Sanders had a pretty good feel when he was doing all these this portal building at Colorado that like in his words like he needed to go get some dogs and, and needed to get some go getters um, and you you saw a bunch of them on Saturday and I, I don't really see. A lot of them with Nebraska. I just don't like I, we're going to, you know, so they, they need some guys to step up because it's just really hard to see a lot of like legit like NFL players like kind of emerging here. They, they, they're just trying to make the best of what they got. And that means a very small margin for error. And they are just committing so many errors. But my, my advice to the listener is uh, hobbies. You know, I think that's. Um, the Omaha Zoo is amazing, you know, there still is. There can't be a lack of corn mazes out by um, you, Max. Corn mazes, apple picking, you know, um, pumpkin <laughs> patch this fall. Yankee candle um, scent. Yeah, uh, I mean, I smelling. think it's yeah. diversifying your investment uh, in your weekends a little bit. Um, so here's the thing about Nebraska from my standpoint. Uh, Dave said that we should shoot them into the sun last night, uh, and maybe we will after. Seems harsh. <laughs> but I don't feel like if Nebraska didn't commit all the – mind numbing errors that you just mentioned that they wouldn't have won anyway. So like that, it, that's not the thing that cost them the game. I think Colorado was just a better football team than them, but I just feel like it would be easier for a Nebraska fan to embrace the build. If they would have just lost 38 to 24 played a hard, tough 
you know, fought game, ran the ball well, and just didn't have the athletes yet to, to match up. I think it's mm-hmm. the carryover yeah. of the frost trauma that makes this so hard to swallow because nobody anticipated that Nebraska was going to come out and win 10 games. I thought there was a chance that with the talent that they had on their roster that they could overperform our thought process. But it's not losing. It's not being, you know, the the rule tear to the studs rebuild process that he's done at multiple programs already. That's the hard part. The hard part is when are we going to shake the humiliation of these awful errors? Yeah. That, yeah, you'd rather just lose a different way, right? I mean, yeah, just let's, just, yeah. let's just be honest. Just like you just try to, you, you would you would just be encouraged by man, this team is really physical, and they don't, you know, and they they give a a ton of effort, and they don't have the 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 you know enough juice, but they're trying, right? Like that would be encouraging to people. And I think that you're right. I mean, I think if if things if if you flip a couple of those things, the final score is probably like thirty six to twenty, thirty six to twenty four, yeah, something like that. A respectable but game. It wouldn't have yeah. been right, but it wouldn't have been like humiliating. Yeah, yeah. So, it's but just I also like don't the- think this Nebraska team like just you know, from going to the press conferences a little bit and stuff like that. Like this is not like an overconfident, like shit talking group. Like they, they know that this is a pretty uphill thing. And I, it, it's uh so in, in that way, you kind of just like feel bad for them. You know I mean? It's just a very, it's been a very humbling start. <laughs> Michael Barkley put this perfectly. If they need a, if they need a new analyst or something. Did like you see that. the, the Michael Barkley tongue comment here? It says it may be year one for Matt rule, but it's year 10 for the fans. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, and, I, and I do feel that. And Sam, I think you're in here right now listening live. We certainly appreciate your participation. It was great to hear your voice and happy to have you on the show. And I just want you to know that I'm with you, bud. I'm with you. And also you could take up gambling and then you could feel pain in a whole new way. <laughs> yeah you gotta right, go over to council bluffs which i already spent some time at you know that's it's not legal um, in our state but you can cross the river and, and get some get some stuff done there council bluffs i went to once when i was covering an ohio state game at was it it must have been nebraska yeah and i hit a royal flush on uh digital blackjack i mean not digital poker and I didn't have to keep any cards. It just dealt me the royal flush, and that was one of the best highlights of my gambling career. Go pump a few thousand bucks in there and see if it happens for you. Uh, I remember you were coming to town for this Nebraska-Ohio State game, and I was like, can't wait to hang out with you on Friday. And you're like, no, buddy, I'm going to the casino. Just, <laughs> Did I do that? Really? Yeah. Yeah, you and, you and Bill were not coming through Lincoln. You you had bigger plans. I believe being dealt a royal flush is just called hiring Kirby Smart, the one good Saban assistant. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, let's go to the next one. Hi, uh, this is uh, George from Denton, and so my question is, uh, so if Oregon State and Washington State win their lawsuits to come sold records of Pac-12, how petty can they get with it? I mean, do you think they can just declare themselves a Pac-12 championship game participants, willy-nilly, ban the rest of Pac-12 when they play off eligible, or even go, no, full code red and just order reps to start playing league breaking games? All right, uh, good work, guys. Thanks, thanks for my call. Bye. I think my favorite part of this is that the short answer to his question is yes, actually, (laughs) for two years. I will let Max, you've done more realignment than I have, but they can still be the Pac-12 and a recognized conference for two years, correct? Without eight members in 24 and 25. I don't think anybody wants to do that. They also, let's not forget, don't have a television contract, so they could maybe broadcast their games on Twitch, or maybe they can borrow the Until Saturday YouTube feed. We would welcome them. Um, Are we sure we would get more well. numbers, though? Uh, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Ari's, Ari's out here trying to get canceled, but no, we're... <laughs> would I get canceled for that? I'm just making a funny joke. In Corvallis and Pullman, you probably would. But no, the... Um, um, I think yeah, you need to like, also hijack the Pac-12 network and like, you know, like in the in the summer SEC network will do like, oh, it's Georgia Day. It's Kentucky yeah, Day. Take just have day, every yeah. other, like just switch off days. <laughs> oh, today's Washington just State hear, Day. Oh, just air the Oregon State, State upset of USC a hundred times every day like Texas used to air the yep. Rose Bowl win on Longhorn Network every hey. day at like 11 a.m. <laughs> when the Pac-12 is running Pac-12 commercials, what are they doing that for? I mean, you got to air something. I don't know. I mean, for the 15 Who's people watching this? it, it's it's uh, well, I think they are. I think the schools. are. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's a good question. Every time I have seen a Pac-12 like commercial during games, though, this year, it's been like it's a yeah, it's it's a weird dynamic. But it'd be like Blockbuster <laughs> uh, running ads for the one location in Bend, Oregon. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, legitimately. Did you guys see the the post from the Pac-12's official Twitter account um, uh, sharing the updated uh, updated top twenty five? 
<laughs> no, this I'm from three hours ago. Um, it was the most mailed in tweet I've ever seen. <laughs> it, it was literally just like they ty- they just typed the names on a thing and screenshotted it and tweeted it. It's it was a, here we go. Here's the tweet. <laughs> no edit. Took him a second. We gotta get, we gotta get Hayes Fawcett in on the game. So, here. Somebody in this that is- office is in a meeting just being like, what are you talking about? Why would I spend my time on this? Like, I mean, it would be a pretty good job to be the social media manager at the Pac-12. If I were the person running that Twitter account, I would scorch the earth with that thing. Can you imagine the uh, potential of just potential shit there, yeah. talking there that we're just like, what are you going to do? Cancel me? Uh, I, I would I would go crazy right now. It's so, like McLove and drilling put, holes here a little bit, you know? Yeah, the first time USC loses, just put the final score bra- graphic up and just say, oh, no, and just oh, lowercase. No. <laughs> <laughs> His voicemails were hitting hard. You guys want to do the next one? <laughs> Let's. Hey, it's Dustin in Dallas, um, lifelong A and M fan. Am I eternally cursed to never go better than eight four after that uh, crap show against Miami, or is there actually hope for us? I mean, we just got dominated. Both lines thought we had the talent on at least the defensive line and couldn't get any pressure on Van Dyke. Is there any hope for us, or is, are we forever destined to never go better than eight four? I call you guys. Hope y'all can answer it on the show. Love you guys. Y'all are keeping me sane. But not a lot of hope for us guys down here. Thanks. Bye. I just don't know the proper way to internalize what happened, but it feels like a really, really, really bad loss for them. I'd just like to point out real quick to continue what we were talking about. I'm guessing there are some Nebraska fans who would say that in 2014. Right? Are we destined to just win eight, nine games a year? So re- just remember, it can always yeah. get way worse than the plateau that you're frustrated to be stuck on. A good I'm point. a big bites of the apple guy. It just it's like I know we've seen it, but we have not seen A and M be this talented, um, and this well funded, and this everything, everything that you need to be successful. If you just keep Pushing it in the middle, at some point, something has to break. And I get all the Jimbo criticism, but I think my hot Jimbo take is that the talent that he has given you and the way that he has recruited <clears throat> is worth a lot of the game day complaints because I'd rather, like, listen. Have a chance. Yeah, it's like you were a lot more exciting under Kevin Sumlin, but that was not a program with a real solid foundation. And, and you know, I think judging the foundation of AM's program is a bit of a Rorschach test under Jimbo Fisher. Uh, but ultimately, you have a ton of talent. And I think if you have a bunch of talent, I mean, Ari, I'm, I'm talking your language here. It's the hardest thing to do is acquire talent. And he's doing that as good, if not better, and more consistently. Well, I think the thing anyone. that's got to be the most frustrating part about this whole thing is that you would think at the very least that A&M's defensive line would have showed out in that game. Like there were certain elements of the you physicality, the size, and the speed that they've recruited onto that roster that should have shined through. Um, and I don't think that Miami, you know, and though Mario Cristobal's probably number one thing to fix when he got there would be the physicality up front. There are certain things that should transcend coaching and scheme, and that should just be like athleticism shining through and making plays to bail out coaches. I've watched a lot of teams with a lot of talent in my life just get bailed out by really good players who do amazing things. And I just don't know if I've seen enough A&M players doing amazing things in the games that I watch of theirs. And I don't know if that's a coaching issue. I don't know if that's an evaluation issue, but there's a certain look to it. And I think that like the whole idea of the eye test is something that I think drives a lot of people crazy, especially when it's used as a criteria from the playoff committee, you know, during conference calls to explain rankings, but we all watch football And we all know what it looks like when a team has it. You can see it. You can sense it. You can feel it. I felt it on Saturday in the Alabama-Texas game. And I can't remember the last time I watched an A&M game where I was like, holy shit, this team's got it. You know, and they beat Alabama a few years ago with Haynes King, and that was really exciting. With Zach But it just doesn't – yeah, shit. Yeah, that's a good catch there. (laughs) Am I going to get yelled Um, at if I say that game felt a little fluky at the time? 
Probably. I mean, okay. I'm just saying. Well, if, if, <laughs> anything, anything for you to try to win back a single Alabama fan to listen to the show, please feel free. We just get it. one positive nice comment. Earlier, I was very nice to Alabama fans earlier. I said they're a quarterback away from being dominant. That's that's as nice as okay. I can. I mean, I think A&M has a quarterback. Like that, that would be one takeaway yeah, from that yesterday. Helps. Yeah, that helps. They've got a quarterback. It seemed to yeah. me, and I was very curious with this one because you think back to the last year of Kevin Sumlin and that UCLA game and the way that they blew that. I mean, the Sumlin era was over after that season opener in L.A. Yes. Um, we didn't really it didn't seem like we had a big t- Tony Busby moment last night or today. It seemed like the the I mean, believe me, I pulled up Texags just to see like what the vibe was. It seemed uh, especially after Texas one, just to see how it was going over there. Um, it seemed way more frustration about DJ Durkin um, specifically coming off that game. I, and I don't so I don't it seemed like there's. People are willing to let this play out a little bit more. Obviously, there's some really yeah. big SEC games coming up for them, but I, man, I feel like we we may look back at that. That I mean, they're still so talented, but we may look back at that one as as maybe a bit of a turning point. But honestly, guys, maybe this is na- naive of me to say, but I think that this talent acquisition can be maintained by another coach. Where A and M is at now. In the NIL era, maybe I'm giving right. I, I give I'll, him I'll plenty of credit, it. right? I mean, pulling off a number one class it. is incredibly difficult, but I think if they you were to the hire right the right hire. coach next year, yeah. I think they will still recruit at a top five to ten level. Who is that though, Max? Like Jeff Trailer? I mean, I don't know. Exercise. Like it's yeah. I, I believe me, I don't have the list in my drawer here. Um there'd be a lot of people that would want it though, I promise you that. In in terms yeah. of um in terms of the the cash reserves over there at AM. Like I think people know that that is if if you can build like build that thing in a way that's not dysfunctional, um, you know, you you, I'm with you, you should have I a twelve team playoff contender all the time. I'm still I, that- I wasn't I wasn't huge on AM coming into this year. I thought they had some upside. I didn't I wasn't all in on the like, oh, they finally got it. But I did feel like Max, after last year, some of the portal exits, you know, the idea that like these guys are not into it. It did feel a little bit like addition by subtraction yeah. uh, in terms of culture and fixing it. And I felt like, you know, you need to take care of business against this Miami game. And I, and I think the one thing, and I mentioned this last night, the one thing, because I'm, I'm holding on to like 65% of my A&M stock. I didn't have a ton before the season, but I'm holding on to a lot of it. But you the can't sell thing, it now. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. What are you going to do? The, Sell it for low? What, you, you have some gains you need to offset on your tax I just form? Don't, I, don't think another fi- I don't think another five and seven. You, you mentioned on the show you got rid of your Virginia Tech stock, and I'm like, you must have taken a bath on that. Like, when did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> no, I sold every bit of it before the season. Exactly. No, I think ultimately, like... Still, uh, that's a penny stock. I mean, okay, all right. Sorry to hear that. What'd you do, yeah. buy a Subway sandwich? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, I think... There's a Probably, chance that uh, Miami's just really good. <laughs> and maybe Texas A&M is still a 9-10 win team. I I don't think that's the case. But if we're looking up here in November and they're, you know, 8-2, and two, I'm not going to be, like, fainting, being like, oh. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> when, when Dave put you on the spot, Max, and said, who should that coach be? I would have just gone, <laughs> Dion. <laughs> prime, prime. That's that's the auto answer now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's Coach coaching prime the most interesting team in college football history. So why not? It's why true. Not, yeah. You know, why not I carry think, that show I, over to Ari? Anyway. I think I might have won Max over a little bit. A little bit. He disagreed with my column, but I think I won him over a little bit this weekend. He got to experience the circus from the inside, and it is indeed a circus. This team, this whole situation. I know that looks like, like they're running insane. NBA Summer League I'm, I'm, up there. I don't doubt <laughs> that your, your next five columns this week will win me over too. you know? I do have a column running tomorrow, Max. Of course you It's do. in your yeah. honor. <laughs> Is it about Colorado? <laughs> yes. Yes. God, I took it's a beating in the Matt comments on my Colorado. Colorado. And Dion is, is inexplicable, uh, indefinable, but clear skill at finding disrespect at all corners and how... It's very stupid, but also it's definitely working. <laughs> so should I just be like, Dion, you suck. And then have it like. I think you just made the next Colorado hype video, Ari. I, and then I got to show up and get into a your verbal confrontation. Is, your with face them. is yeah. going to be on their locker room tomorrow morning. <laughs> Colorado um, is not ready for the Rams or something like that. <laughs> just give them something. Yeah. I yeah. got to say, guys. A&M's defense was the problem. You know, we're going back to that for a second. Obviously. But AM's offense didn't light the world on fire either. I mean, I think mm-hmm. two of their touchdowns came after um 
bad miscues on special teams. And I just don't know. Well, for, I guess like, like Dave likes to say, we'll see um, when it comes to like how good Miami is, but I felt like that was a bad loss. And I don't know if we're at the point now where we've got to, you know, kickstart the Jimbo discussion again. Hopefully we can push that off for a few more weeks, but yeah, I thought that was a, that was a bad one. Okay. Let's go to, I believe, might be the final voicemail, but hopefully not. I can listen to these all day. Good evening until Saturday, gentlemen. So excited for Texas. Up here in the Okanagan. Wine country. Sipping on a victory. Way to go, Queen Ewers. Glad to see that defense absolutely dominate. Let's go. Where do we go from here? Hook what was I that had to last Google Hookem. I had to Google oh. the Okanagan. This is in British Columbia. We have a Canadian listener. Get us up. Mm-hmm. I had not heard of this before. He I said, know. where are we going from here? I think the three of us should go to Canada. I think that yeah, sounds awesome. I think we awesome. go to the Okanagan, the wine country for week three, baby. I'm at home. I bet he's got a big TV. Let's go. Big wine guy, Ari. You see that? You see that pause? That was me Googling what is further than the moon. <laughs> <laughs> what? He said, where do we go from here? It's, the moon is, they're already on the yeah. moon. Fair enough. Fair enough. You should sell. Yeah. You know what, buddy? That's why you didn't buy any Texas stock at the beginning of the year. You'd be sitting on some fat gains right now. I've got a whole bunch and I can do whatever I want with it. All right. What, uh, what, what, are, the, what are the Texas playoff odds currently or the national championship odds? Have those been up? I haven't I'm looked. Curious. I haven't looked yet, but before the season started, Texas's national plus, title odds were 22 to 1, and I thought that was absolutely a must consider when it comes to that. Um, the Heisman <laughs> Trophy odds are are the only ones that I have up on my page right now. I'm actually locked out of my page after the weekend I've had, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they've, they've disavowed Ari Wasserman. Right yeah, the no, it's been, a, it's been a battle for Sunday. It was a bad day. It was a sad day, you know? It's, Ari, <laughs> when, when would you... Um, if Texas is trading at an all time high right now, right, and they are yeah. right, they're in the they're in the the AP top five and all that. Mm-hmm. Would would you sell before Big Twelve play? <laughs> would you sell before Red River? Like what? Do, what do you think? Well, no, because you want to know why I wouldn't sell because I think that the Alabama win now gives them a mulligan. I think they yeah. can lose one. Uh, so for me, I feel like I would sell it in the playoff potentially to seeing how how. But I think that. Things would have to go very wrong for them for I mean to not to lose two right I mean they're, they're going to lose maybe Probably. one maybe they'll lose one of the Dave Ubb and grab ass games but for the record I'd I like to go on the record saying I think another Red River punking is coming when well, they're going to get up for OU and they're going to show up for OU I think that game might get up. not as ugly as last year but ugly again so you but think Dave, that Dave they still will think lose. Texas is going nine <laughs> three though. I mean, yeah, his heart, he thinks they are I mean, going Kansas, to Kansas State, Texas Tech. There's a lot of teams that are capable of beating Texas. I'm just Texas is, pl- is 10 to 1 to win the championship. Thanks to our buddy Vaughn. Um, okay. The Big 12 or half. the CFP? I think it, it has to be the CFP. <laughs> it has to be yeah, they're they're probably like yeah. plus 150 to win wow. the Big 12, I'm guessing. They, they yeah, were right. min- No, they were favored to win the Big 12 before the season started. Sure. So they're really? definitely. So they're probably so like, like minus 200 Dave, now. What's your, what's your Texas record projection right now? Updated record prediction? I, I mean, probably 10 and 2, 11 and 1. Okay, maybe. so let me read this to you. So you think they're going to punk Oklahoma. You just said mm-hmm. that, right? So we're going to use yeah. that against you. They are playing Wyoming, Baylor, Kansas, Houston, BYU, Kansas State, TCU, Iowa State, and Tech. That's the remainder remainder of their schedule. You think they're going to drop two of those games? One or two. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's a lot of... Let me Let's go down this list here, okay? Baylor capable of beating you, and it's in Waco. Kansas absolutely. Did you capable. watch Baylor play football the first two weeks? Or I did, just Ari, but I'm just saying beer they're capable. Okay, they're capable. Yeah. If Bay- okay. if so you're going to tell me that if Texas lost to Baylor, you'd be like, this Texas team. Yes, happening? that's what I'm trying what? to drive into okay. your head. All right, I'm trying fine. to drive that into your head. Yeah, that's fine. Last okay. year's Texas team, no, but this one, okay. yes, I would be very, very okay. surprised. Yeah, this team's played two games, just for the record. But okay, yeah, two very good games, or one, and also Rice just beat Houston, so maybe Rice is a juggernaut we don't know about. Maybe you there's now that's an interesting thought actually. Ku absolutely can beat them. Oklahoma, yes, they can beat them. I don't think they will. I think Texas will be up and show up for that game, but they can beat you. BYU, I'm not so sure about. Kansas State, absolutely. TCU, yes. Iowa State, I'm not so sure. 
Texas Tech could beat you in theory. Those are like that's more losable Your games thought than, than Bama usually plays. Is like annoying me. <laughs> like when do that's, you start I mean, to I mean, like I, I, no, I just think you you the the I, open like, your I'm eyes, just saying man. That they can lose these games. He was so, he was still not- giving me all the all the hits last night. You know, so number one ten. <laughs> you know, the history of Texas matters. It was so you're just telling me. So you're telling me that Texas out. can't lose those games. That it's not possible that they could lose to Baylor, Kansas, Oklahoma, Kansas you're State, using Texas State. analysis from the past to project forward. No, I'm, I'm not. Those teams yes, are, are functional. Those teams are, like, fine. Those are, like, quality, so capable So go down teams. Georgia's schedule and find all the functional teams that are playing and figure out There's how many can beat many. them. There's not very many. There's, like, three, I think, that could beat Georgia. I'm not saying Georgia. that Texas is Georgia, but... You literally God, it's disrespectful are. to watch what they did saying. last night and like you're sit there and saying, act. You're literally saying Texas is Georgia, and that I will see on on Georgia's quarterback situation. I want to see Georgia play a team with a pulse before we anoint them again. But you literally are comparing Texas to Georgia. The idea that you can't even entertain that Texas could lose to some of these like you know seven eight win Big Twelve. Of course, teams. I can entertain that they could lose a single game. What I won't That's entertain what I'm saying, is the though. No, you said two. That's a bit lot one different or, than, than I said, one. I said one or two. Um, I'm I'm yeah. just enjoying this. This is and then Max, a big so who are you leaning game. toward here? I mean, what is your thought process on this whole thing? I think I think a Texas Kansas Big Twelve title game would be incredible. Let's let's yes. go, let's let's yeah. I will take say that one to the moon. That watching Jalen Daniels on Friday night, I don't think we talked about this on the show last night, uh, was one of the most entertaining. Uh, games that I've seen. I, I the way that he can juke out eight people at the same time, like he is a special, special player. And I think Alabama would have won last night if he were their quarterback. <laughs> Ari, here's a question for you. Ari, Worth is Jalen Daniels better than anyone on Texas's offensive roster? Uh, maybe you mean their whole their whole offensive roster. What do you mean? Like is but like the thing like you're you saying plopped, is if you plopped Jalen Daniels worst walk on, what do you mean? No, like if you plop Jalen Daniels on Texas's roster right now, is he the would best you say that's their player? best offensive player? Well, let me clearly, ask you this. Clearly we're stumped because we love Jalen Daniels. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, well, say, here's, I think yes. It's here's not the like way you have to couch a, it's not like a question, walk-off, Dave. but like I think he's best. Yes. This is the question. Does Jalen Daniels play quarterback better than Xavier Worthy plays receiver? Yes. I can't. What are we doing here? <laughs> okay, I can't. I don't when think you're in the like, freaking game of his life, and we're already subbing him for Jalen Daniels and some weird hypothetical. This here. is Jalen Daniels' <laughs> disrespect. This is Jalen Daniels' disrespect. Is what Xavier I, Worthy I, is let, let unquestionably a top five receiver in the in the country now, right? And and AD was just as good, if not better, yeah. last night. Um, I will say this: I wrote this last year after the the game in Austin. It's 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 totally clear now after watching both of these. Texas absolutely gets up for this game. Gives the effort of their life has the 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 game plan of the year right. They probably spent the whole summer on it right. So I, I do think it is it is still fair to question like they they have to take every opponent seriously going forward here. They have to give this kind of physical effort every week. It, it can be a little bit different in how they go about it right. That that is going to be the question of Texas is just the consistency because I think their depth is going to be pretty solid. I you know they're they're going to have some setbacks here, but I think the depth's pretty good for this team. It is going to be, though, like just that, yeah, that 11 a.m. kick in that road game you don't care about that, oh, crap, it's close yeah, to halftime. I just what do we do? think that with the team that they have, a lot has to go wrong for them for a long period of time for them to actually lose a game. There might be a game where they don't play well and it's close in the third quarter, but a lot is going to have to go wrong for them to lose. And the thing I By like the way, the most guys, is they, it, they lost at home to Kansas in year one and they just beat Alabama on the road in year three, so. It's come a, I would say it's come a pretty come a pretty long way under Sark. Don't here. use don't use facts at, at all to discuss this because it's go read the comments on the column I wrote. It's it's crazy. You got Texas fans doing this, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you have everybody saying what Dave says, and it's just like I can't have a representative of the, the comments Max, Max, on the I'll podcast. Tell you, this is what this I'll tell you what I told Ari last night. Myself and I think a lot of people respect Texas. They just don't trust them in the same way that you trust Alabama and Georgia that you're going to show up every week. It's just that simple. I respect Texas. They're a very good team. The thing on paper at their peak, that's a national championship caliber team. I just don't trust them to show up every week. I just don't understand what they would have to do other than win out to earn the respect or I think the thought they, that they 
I think they would have to beat a team better than Alabama because Dave doesn't have a ton of respect for the Spam team. That's quite frankly, there's a little bit of that too. I don't think this Alabama team is like God tier anymore. This is mortifying. <laughs> <laughs> Texas needs to make a call and get a top top three team on the schedule because beating Dave, Bama why don't you take a just for does last not segment. move the needle for Dave. Go Dave, down go to take a lap for the last and beat segment. Florida State, and, then I, and I, I will be singing Texas's praises. Dave, do you need any tape or like nails and hammers so you can put up your LSU banner? Or? <laughs> I think we're good. I'm still I'm still smiling over the 72 points they put on the board yesterday. Anyway, go ahead. Well, guys, we uh, made it through an hour, and I think we did a pretty good job. So the next episode that you will have on our feed is Max and Sam. Uh, Richard Johnson on the show with you guys on That's right. uh, Tuesday. Big guest. The guy who was sitting next to me mm-hmm. in the My press guy. box who didn't mention this. <laughs> 2022 Edward Ashoff Rising Star Award winner. Shout yeah, out to, uh, very Richard. bright young mind. Was a pleasure to sit next to him at the at the game, and I'm super excited to listen to that podcast. Uh, Max and Sam show is a must listen to every week. I think it's super enjoyable, and two of my favorite people to work with. Uh, thank you guys so much for your participation in the Sunday Sound Off show. You know, as we get further into the year, it's just going to get more and more spicy. People are going to get more and more and fired up, and you know, hopefully, you guys take the next the next six or seven days to just you know, understand and accept that Texas is good. I think David might need a little extra time, but he certainly will get there eventually once he sees if the wins they lose, Ari, I'm going to be insufferable on that episode. <laughs> I'll just be wrong, you know, like you were with LSU. I just took longer for me to be wrong than you. Uh, for the record, you know, <laughs> still early, still early. It's September yeah, It 10th, would be Ari. funny if LSU did make the playoff this year somehow. <laughs> uh, but honestly, had a really good time with you guys. Love the crew that we have here on Sundays. I love the participation. I feel like these listeners who are here on the chat – are the day ones or the ride or dies. And the fact that we can get you guys into the show, your voices, uh, it means the world to us. So 100%. again, yeah. thank you very much. Uh, listen to the Max and Sam show on Tuesday. We'll have the full coverage of shows that you guys expect all week. And of course, we'll be right back at this next week. Uh, be sure to leave a five-star review on the show. If you wouldn't mind, if you want to leave a question with a five-star review, we will get to answer that uh, on the show. If you're listening to this in podcast form, I would love to, Watch us on YouTube and see our beautiful faces. Uh, the link to the show, uh, the link to the YouTube channels in the show's description. You can like, share, all that stuff there too. Helps us get awareness out for the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, thank you guys for watching. That was until Sunday.